0: Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football. And on it, you'll hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Meegan, U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at Any Given You. What's up, Any Given You? I hope that this episode of the podcast finds you well and in good health wherever you are going about your week. Um, I am absolutely thrilled to bring you this particular episode because we are taking a break, scheduled programming to bring you something uh, that is just unique to to me. It's just my thoughts uh, and analysis without a guest, just purely 100% host-driven pod. And I am so thankful that you have decided to join me here today. Before we get started on what the subject of our podcast tonight is going to be, which will be any given news too early, top 25 rankings, which is a popular thing to do, all the major publications. And so any given you has decided, well, why not? Why not join in on the fun? But before we get into that, we definitely want to get you caught up on some current events. So we will do a quick segment that I am just going to name here on the spot, and it is called the two-minute drill, where we just get you caught up on the latest and greatest in college football. We start off with Coach Deion Sanders and Jackson State handing a 53 to nothing, beat down to their opponent in Coach Sanders' debut. Unfortunately, the victory was a little bit marred by some shenanigans that happened in the press conference. Coach Sanders was convinced that somebody had stolen some of his personal possessions, but upon further review, those possessions were just in his office. So I hope that that doesn't cloud the win too much, but congratulations to Coach Deion Sanders on his very first win as a college head coach. In dominant fashion there at Jackson State. Texas Tech gets Oregon transfer QB Tyler Shuck. He will uh, be leaving Eugene and taking his talents down there to Lubbock. And so, Texas Tech is a program that hasn't had a lot to celebrate over the last few years. So, hopefully, this will be a shot in the arm for their program, picking up some elevated talent at the quarterback position. Speaking of quarterbacks, Luke McCaffrey, former Nebraska QB and four-star recruit, announces that he will play for the Cardinals uh, in this upcoming season. So definitely interesting situation to watch there. Notre Dame is taking a crap in the punch bowl that is the return of the EA Sports NCAA franchise, saying that they will not participate unless players benefit from the game using their name and image and likeness, which I'm sure I can get on board with this, but again, it just seems like um, a little bit of Notre Dame just doing Notre Dame things and not wanting to get on board because of Notre Dame stuff. That uh, Hopefully that doesn't throw too much red tape up for the return of the NCAA football game franchise, which we've all uh, come to love over the years and definitely has been sorely missed for sure. And finally, 24-7 Sports has released a transfer recruit ranking composite, not just the recruits that, that teams have gotten out of high school, but also programs that have benefited from the transfer market and where they have stacked up according to the experts. And that concludes our two-minute drill, folks. And now we will get into any given use two early top 25 rankings. And we will start with the number 25th ranked team, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. And so in 2020, this team enjoyed an 11-1 and record. They went undefeated in the Sun Belt. They have six starters returning to the offensive side of the ball. They have six returning on defense, two in special teams, and uh, they have some pretty heavy projected losses defensive end Taryn Jackson running back CJ Marrable uh the center Sam Thompson Silas Kelly linebacker Teddy Gallagher defensive tackle CJ Brewer you know th- these guys were all sort of household names by the end of the year at least in some belt conference terms if we're if we're speaking the shotta clears were a very uh interesting team to watch they got an opportunity because of what 2020 kind of threw out there as far as cancellations as far as staggered start Start for the season to actually get in prime time position and be seen on national television more times than, I mean, definitely in program history, but more times than I probably think they would have ever thought. So you got to see this little program sort of grow up for me. I think that the reason I have coastal Carolina at 25, some publications have them all the way down at 16 and 14. The thing is, is I think a lot of these teams, albeit they were good football teams sort of rose to the top. What I'm talking about, these group of five teams sort of, rose to the top because of what 2020 and just kind of how that played out there were teams that in a normal year probably would have never had any business cracking the top 25 and so i don't mean to be a hater or anything like that they are a good football team and i I definitely enjoy watching Coastal Carolina. I think they're very well coached team and they definitely punch above their weight class, but I cannot justify putting them any any further than 25th in the top 25. They do make my tw- top 25 list, however. So quarterback Grayson McCall is expected back after throwing for 2,400 yards, 26 touchdowns as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Javion Hiley and uh, Isaiah Likely will be returning to throw to, so it is highly likely that his completion percentage should stay high. I'm sorry, really cheesy joke there, folks. But the Clear's offensive line features three seniors and is bolstered by the return of guard Trey Carter. Reese White and Shamari Jones will get the bulk of the carries with CJ Marable's departure. Again, I think Coastal Carolina is a good squad that proved their medal in 2020, and for that reason, I do have them at 25, but the star power that they're losing off of that team. Uh, I doubt that they'll finish the year ranked in the top 25 unless, again, they just they have to go undefeated in conference, and obviously they need to win their matchup. Very likely that they will win the matchup against Kansas, playing them for the third time in a row, but we'll see what happens. At number 24, I have the Old Miss Rebels. To me, the Rebels have the making of a top 25 team if their defense improves. And it's, it's going to have to improve quite a bit. Over 10 games, Old Miss allowed 38.3 points per contest and nearly seven yards of play. And so I will say Old Miss has made an effort in recruiting the defensive side of the ball. They've made it a priority in this cycle, beefing up their depth in the secondary and snagging defensive tackle Jamon Gordon. Now star position uh, Otis Reese and linebacker Lakia Henry will return. And on the offensive side of the ball, they have an offensive whiz in Lane Kiffin and and Matt Corral returns as one of the SEC's better quarterbacks, in my opinion. I mean, I think he's at least the top three or four quarterback in the in the conference coming in. And running backs Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor will be a big feature this year to to assist uh, top targets Braylon Sanders and Jonathan Mingo will be back. My opinion is Old Miss will push teams in the SEC. However, I still think that that defense is a few years away from fielding something that is going to be acceptable to be a double digit win pro. So I, I think that they are still a three to possibly a five loss team playing in the SEC West, but definitely trending in the right direction for the Ole Miss Rebels. At number 23, I have the Utah Utes. The 2020 season ended for them with a a three-game winning streak. And Coach Kyle Whittingham could push for a South Division title if a couple of things just kind of fall his way. And one thing that has already fallen his way is Charlie Brewer will transfer the quarterback from Baylor, talented quarterback from Baylor, will transfer to Utah and compete with Jaquindon Jackson, the Texas transfer, and also uh, Cameron Rising to start under center. And so they have an experienced offensive line and an experienced wide receiver core. And Brant Queethe, I hope I did not just butcher his name. Apparently, this kid is a stellar tight end, one of the best in the country, so... That's also good news. Defensively, they have some holes to plug in the front seven, but their secondary got some valuable on-the-job training in 2020, and they return their full complement of players. What I like about Utah is they're a little—they're proven over time. They're proven over the last half decade or so under Kyle Whittingham that they are going to be a physical football team. They're going to line up. They're going to play a physical brand in the Pac-12 South, which is sort of a—it's a rarity. It's the exception rather than the norm out there with the Pac-12, and this is just something that's been said for years and years, the reason the Pac-12 struggles mightily when they come east of the Mississippi to play these teams from the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten is because uh, they just, they cannot match that level of physicality that they're met with. And so Utah is a little bit of a trendsetter there uh, in the Pac-12, much sort of like uh, how Stanford and Oregon sort of play uh, that, that brand of ball. So I do like them to show up, get physical, and make a run at taking the Pac-12 South. Whether or not they do it, that will remain to be seen, but I do like them at number 23. At number 22, I have the Miami Hurricanes. It's not certain that star quarterback Derek King will make a full recovery from his torn ACL that he suffered in the bowl game. He is going to be closely monitored as they get closer to uh, the season opener. If he is ready, that's good news. The bad news is Alabama is the season opener. (laughs) so Miami is a team that's had major concerns in pass protection. They've allowed 30 sacks last year, and honestly, I think they would have allowed a lot more if D'Erik King wasn't so athletic and able to avoid some of that pass rush. The Canes also lose several big time players in 2021 in Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Brevin Jordan. The wide receiver group has considerable progress to make as they led the ACC in drop passes, right? The Canes do, however, return a deep stable of backs with uh, Cameron Harris, Chaney and Knighton returning defensively. Miami will take a hit to what they do best, and that is rush the passer. The addition of the Tennessee transfer, DeAndre Johnson may ease the pain a little bit, but the Canes uh, have a nasty schedule. They take road trips to Florida State, Pitt, and UNC. In addition to opening the year in Atlanta against Alabama, and they're they they have a non-con scheduled with App State, who's no pushover either. So honestly, for the for for the Hurricanes, I think they're a couple of years away from still being that sort of perennial top twenty, top fifteen team. I think they will be outclassed badly by the Alabama Crimson Tide in their opener. I do not see them beating UNC. I could actually see a spirited competition with Florida State, a much more competitive game this year from the Seminoles than what we saw last year. Pitt is an absolute mess. They don't uh, they don't really threaten me at all, so I do th- I do like them in that matchup. Um, and they better not sleep on App State either. So I you know, personally, I don't know if the Miami Hurricanes fall out of the top 25. I think by the time the season ends and it all shakes out, they are in the top 25, but I think they're gonna be closer to that 25 spot than that number one spot. At the next spot at number 21, we have the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs TCU. Gary Patterson's team won five out of their last six and beat Oklahoma State 29-22 to 22 last year. Now, TCU has one of the best returning production rates in the country at 86%. Max Duggan will have plenty of experienced targets to hit and good depth at running back. The offensive line is the concern, but stays largely intact and is expected to, I would think, improve. As you keep an offensive line together, They, it's kind of like wine. They age a little bit better, uh, hopefully. Now, they were a mess last year, but at least all of them are coming back, or most uh, – all, I think all but one is is returning. Gary Patterson will uh, he'll field another solid TCU defensive unit. I think they'll I think something that is an identity of Gary Patterson teams defensive end Ochuan Mathis and cornerback Travius Hodges Tomlinson will anchor that unit. Uh, two very uh, very promising rising stars in the in the Big Twelve. Both California and SMU come to Fort Worth in non conference play. I think those are two winnable games for the Horned Frogs. But TCU does face a tough road slate. They have Iowa State uh, in Ames, obviously. They have Kansas State up there in Manhattan. They go to Norman to take on the Sooners. And they will go to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State, who will be – obviously bent on revenge. I think they'll la- likely lose two of those four games at minimum. I think they I think they go 500 on that road stretch there, but uh, I do like TCU's uh, projection for this upcoming season enough to put them at number 21. At number 20, I've got Washington. The Huskies performed well under first-year head coach Jimmy Lake. Quarterback Dylan Morris showed progress. Uh, Even in the short season, he is coming back as well. And uh, running back Sean McGrew has opted to return for an extra year, uh, taking advantage of that COVID uh, extra year. A solid offensive line will return for the Huskies that he – Will run behind the wide receiver group. It was uh, it was disappointing last year uh, with an inability to get separation in the pass game. But Washington is built on defense, and they will return one of the Pac-12's best units. Zion Tupuolafetui. <laughs> I read, I read, here, let me try that again. Zion Tupu. Ola Fatui, okay, there we go, and Ryan Bowman form uh, an energizing duo of of edge players, uh, in particular in pass rushing, and with Trent McDuffie securing the secondary, I think that they will, again, field a very good defensive unit for at least Pac-12 standards. An early test at Michigan definitely remains on their schedule in 2021, so we'll see how they handle that contest in Ann Arbor, but Oregon, UCLA, Arizona State, and California all come to Seattle, and so that, uh, that's good if you are a Huskies fan. At number 19, yep, I'm doing it. I have the Auburn Tigers. And in the early part of this year for new head coach Brian Harson, the schedule sets up really nicely with two easy outs against Akron and Alabama State to tune up for the confrontation at Penn State. And so if they're able to survive that three-game stretch and come out undefeated, their next contest is against Georgia State. That it, it, it won't be as easy as the first two games, but it's a very, it's another winnable game to get ready for the sec and so i could honestly see them starting off four and oh there is a possibility that off of a talent alone they will start off four and oh and that's why i have them here at number 19 but even though i think that they'll have early success they're going to head into their contest with lsu and because they will have superior roster and talent in most you know three if not all four of their first matchups when auburn actually plays a team that matches or exceeds their talent i think Think it could possibly spell disaster. Now, there's a lot to be said for mom- momentum and and confidence, and maybe that translates into more wins. But Bo Nix earned, uh, enters his third year as the Auburn Tiger signal caller. He is a good athlete with you know definitely great mobility, but his inability to throw accurately down the field is a major issue. Protection for Mr. Nix was a serious problem in 2020, and his top target, Seth Williams, is not returning. That's got to improve if the Tigers are going to have a competitive season. They have to keep this quarterback up. Upright and give him time in the pocket. Now, Bo Nix also needs to get better about not breaking the pocket too early, which has been a criticism of mine for him. Tank Bigsby will return at running back. Defensively, they return a solid linebacker core and a defensive line who should improve at the point of attack. And then Smoke Monday, Christian Tutt and Roger McCreary are guys I feel like they've been there for 10 years, but they will lead another talented Auburn secondary. But Auburn's home stretch of the schedule is brutal. I mean, they have games Versus LSU, UGA, Texas A and M, and Alabama, and you know to be honest, I don't see the Tigers finishing the year ranked. I think that they're going to lose five or six contests. I I, I do, I do think that. Now, this isn't a win totals pod, but I do, I just have a feeling that. You know, they'll have some early success, but once they have to play this murderer's row schedule here on the home stretch of the season, I think it's going to take a toll. At number 18, I've got LSU. And uh, last year, or I should say this year, heads really rolled in Baton Rouge (laughs) after the 2020 season, left the Tigers at five and five. And so 2019, you know, obviously that was lightning in a bottle for the Bayou Bengals. And 2020 was more like a lightning bolt to the face. And so Coach O fires Bo Pelini. He reassigned Steve Innsminger to an analyst role and he released passing game coordinator Scott Linehan. Now, LSU hires uh, Jake Peets from the Carolina Panthers who has a connection with Joe Brady. And obviously it's, I mean, it's so obvious. It's almost like coach O is just hanging on the phone at night, like obsessing over an X. Uh, You know, he's, he's looking for anything to tie that connection back to Joe Brady and try to get that magic in the, in this, in this passing scheme and this, this tailor-made NFL attack. But uh, maybe this will be the hire that gets that gets that jump started. Now, despite the massive overhaul in coaching, which I, you know, we saw spelled disaster for teams last year with the with how 2020 was unique. Teams that got caught in coaching overturn or huge roster overturn or both definitely suffered. But LSU has a boatload of talent coming back. They have eight starters on offense, they have eight starters on defense. And uh LSU wraps up the 2021 recruiting cycle with the third overall class. Class. And so that is also going to help. I would expect talented freshmen like Mason Smith and Derek Davis Jr. to make an, an immediate impact, at least on the defensive side of the ball. And quarterback Miles Brennan will return from abdominal sur- surgery or, and will battle Max Johnson, son of Brad Johnson, for the starting quarterback job. And I will say this, I have some inside sourcing information that Max Johnson's an absolute beast. And so whoever does win this quarterback job is going to be a stud and there will be a stud waiting in the winds should, you know, the, the level of QB play falter or a, a, an injury happen. So good quarterback position for LSU. Receiver Kayshawn Boyette was a pleasant surprise. And there are plenty of tailbacks on hand at LSU. The return of several junior and senior linemen gives the Tigers uh, at least hope heading into next season, but it will be hard to contend with Texas A&M's physical play and Bama isn't done yet, folks. So, Um, plus they get a visit from a pissed-off Gators team that they embarrassed and Ben Hill Griffin last year. And I do see, I I will say this, I do see LSU climbing in the rankings uh, from 18. I see them trending up, unlike Auburn, who I would see trending down before the end of the year. At number 17, we have Indiana. Now, Indiana potentially has 19 starters coming back on the offense and defense. It seems as if coach Tom Allen is only getting started there and they're led by an incredibly talented secondary. The Hoosiers ranked fourth in the big 10 in scoring defense at just a hair over 20 points per contest. And although Allen is searching for a new defensive coordinator after his uh, last DC Kane Womack took the job at South Alabama, Michael Penix is recovering, uh, from ACL surgery in his right knee. Um, He will be monitored closely heading into the season, but uh, Indiana also picks up a pair of SEC transfers that should help out. Uh, one of them is a target that Pennix can throw to uh, at, in DJ Matthews from the University of Florida, who had 84 catches and 582 special teams yards in 35 games at Florida. And Ryder Anderson transfers in from Ole Miss. Uh, he's a pass rusher edge player. So Tom Allen's squad is primed to take advantage of a, what I would categorize as a rocky Big Ten East with Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Rutgers I feel like there's a little bit of a potential chaos that can become a ladder there in the Big Ten East. Now, obviously, Ohio State is still the flagship program for the entire conference and my favorite to win the Big Ten East. But there's a lot of these programs are sort of in a sputter or they're just building up, you know, and so the Hoosiers are in a good position in that conference to to make some noise. At number 16, at number 16, we have the Texas Longhorns. And so after Sam Ellinger went down with the shoulder injury in the Valero Alamo Bowl, backup Casey Thompson came in and passed for almost 200 yards with uh, four touchdowns, no picks, in a 55-23 to win over Colorado. And so Thompson will battle potential quarterback Hudson Card to replace Ellinger. And even a better, uh, tailback, Bijan Robinson. He ran for 183 yards on just 10 carries. He also hit pay dirt in that game as well. So averaged nearly 20 yards a carry. The Longhorns, however, will miss linebacker Joseph Osai. They will also miss safety Caden Stearns, but at least there's a, a decent core coming back in freshman defensive tackle Alfred Collins and linebackers Juwan Mitchell and Demarvian Overshone will also return. Now returning production is not great overall, but Texas has recruited well enough to backfill with young talented guys. And so Austin is a I think we can all agree it's a top 10 coaching destination in all of college football. And it is also the richest program in all of college football. You can actually, you can look this up. It's not a surprise. You got the Texas oil money. Those purse strings are loose. Those wallets are deep. And so I think Longhorns boosters are likely to open them up and Sark's going to get whatever he needs in terms of assembling his staff. If there was any need for any updates in the uh, or any upgrades in the facilities, He's got it. So I think he will be given the lefts and rights to build there. However, the scheduling gods are very cruel to Texas with games against group of five standout Louisiana for non-con. They take a trip to Arkansas to take on a very, very squirrely uh, team led by Sam Pittman uh, that returns a very good defense. Uh, In addition to away games at Iowa State, uh, they have to make that brutal trip to Morgantown to take on the Mountaineers, and they play TCU, who, in my opinion, is a much improved team and in my top 25 here. At number 15, I've got the USC Trojans. And the Trojans are coming off of their first South Division title since 2015. The return of quarterback Keaton Slovis, you would think, would be enough for Clay Helton to get to the title game. But this is where I'm differing from what I'm reading in a lot of different publications, and that is the ugly truth. And the ugly truth is the Trojans are soft as baby shit up front. They really are. Excuse my language, but they are. They're soft. Uh, they they, they play soft in the trenches, especially on the offensive line, and it cost them. It cost them in marquee matchups. It cost them the Pac-12 championship. It cost them JT Daniels, who is now at Georgia, uh, because of their inability to protect him. And Keaton Slovis was also banged up last year in their bowl game and actually physically struggled this entire season as well as a result of taking too many hits. Uh, they they If you want to th- chuck the ball all around the yard like they do, you know, you're going to have to play with some more physicality up front. And as far as their training staff goes, I don't know any of them personally, but I think it's a little bit ridiculous that it took JT Daniels as long as it did to recover from his injury. And Keaton Slovis takes a shoulder injury in the bowl game, you know, last year. With what would be perceived as plenty of time to be ready to go for this season, and the training staff didn't have him ready to go either, and so I I don't know if they need to get off the holistic medicine over there in California, but uh, it just doesn't it doesn't bode well for me for them. Now there are a pair of Drakes on this team that are some studs. Drake London at wide receiver will headline uh, one of the top receiving trios in the Pac-12, and edge rusher Drake Drake Jackson will be a standout on the defensive side of the ball as well. But in terms of having receivers on the offense with, you know, even though Drake London is a beast, without better play from their offensive line, it's just not going to matter. And uh, Todd Orlando, USC's defense, uh, we saw a slight improvement from them, and as we said, edge rusher Jake, Drake Jackson should be a headliner for the defense. They also to pick up top recruit Corey Foreman. He is the top recruit in the entire nation. They should lead the way up front. Cornerback Chris Steele uh, will be on the backside to anchor the secondary. But USC travels to Arizona State, California, and Notre Dame with BYU on the schedule. Utah, UCLA, and Stanford are all coming to the Coliseum. Bottom line up front, here it is. I'm not sold on the Trojans. I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose four or five games. I'll be honest with you. I'm looking at Notre Dame. I'm circling that one. Who knows what Kalani Sataki can put together with BYU. I'm circling Utah. I'm taking a look at, uh, I'm also taking a look at a very game UCLA under Chip Kelly. Who knows what that looks like? Hell, Arizona State, you know, that's a tough trip to Tempe. Uh, and in, in my opinion, I'm just, I'm really not sold on the USC Trojans. Unless that offensive line grows by leaps and bounds and they find a way to change up what they do offensively a little bit. I just, I don't, I'm not a believer in them. Um, If somebody was to tumble out of the top 25, I wouldn't say it would be beyond the stretch of imagination for the Trojans to do so. I'm really, really very curious to see that matchup against Notre Dame. Uh, even if they do well in the Pac-12 South, I really do want to see them take on the Irish, and uh, that'll be a good litmus test for the legitimacy of this pro. At number 14, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes. They finished the 2020 season by winning six games in a row after no and two start. The Big Ten West Division title should be within striking distance for head coach Kirk Ferentz in 2021, and the level these guys were playing at by the season's end, in my opinion, I think they were the second best team in the entire conference. That's just my opinion. Now, they have a good foundation that remains up front with center Tyler Lindenbaum and um, allowing the offense to continue to lean on their star running back, Tyler Goodson, kid out of Georgia, runs with a lot of balance and power. And I think he could have an explosive kind of emergent year this year for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Tight end Sam Laporta and receivers Nico Ragini and uh, Tyrone Tracy are back. Now, defensively, they have to replace quite a bit, but defensive coordinator Phil Parker, was able to pitch a beauty last season and he held opponents to 16 points per contest, only 4.3 yards per play. I'd expect Iowa to retool their defense. They send, they sort of play a bend, but don't break defense anyway. They're not like, they're not any kind of suffocating defensive unit, but they play solid year in and year out. And so that style of defense with, play clock management, field position, battle, the, just the way they play stylistically, they don't shoot themselves in the foot. I think they'll be in a good position to snag enough wins in the Big 10 West to make a push to either win that division and represent you know, in the championship game or at least Uh, finish in the top 25. At number 13, we have the Florida Gators. Now Dan Mullen's team has a lot of work to do if they want to get back to Atlanta. They had an offense that was a machine last year. They averaged 7.3 yards per play. They averaged almost 40, damn near 40 points a contest. They have to replace quarterback Kyle Trask. He accounted for over 4,000 yards and 43 touchdowns. (laughs) Receivers Kadarius Tony, listen to this, listen to this. Kadarius Toney was responsible for 70 catches, Trayvon Grimes at 38, tight end Kyle Pitts at 43, and they're all gone. Emory Jones is obviously the front runner at the quarterback position. He's been a guy who's been waiting in the winds for a few years. He is different in style than, than Kyle Trask, for sure. Um, the Gators may get the shot in the arm needed in the run game with the addition of Demarcus Bowman uh, from Clemson, the talented – former five-star recruit. Offensive line is a question mark with four guys eligible for the draft. I don't know how many are actually going to return. I, I'm i not sure, but cornerback Kyir Elam and uh, defensive end Brenton Cox Jr. and uh, also the other defensive end, Zachary Carter, will lead the effort, uh, at least in the defensive front. And they're going to need to see in a lot of improvement uh, from from 2020 to this season. Also, they have picked up Penn State transfer Antonio Shelton, uh, who's an interior defensive lineman. I think that that could be a good boost. Now, we will say this, tough schedule for the Gators with Alabama, LSU, and Georgia all on the docket. And uh, to be honest, I see them losing – a lot of ground in the rankings. Who knows if they finish in the top 25? I think they will finish in the top 25, but possibly not. I mean, the thing with the Florida Gators is they have to replace a ton, an absolute ton, and unless their defense takes a quantum leap to keep them in, in some certain contests, uh, I just think that they're going to be sort of outclassed offensively this year with everything that they've lost. Now, Dan Mullen is an offensive you know, kind of whiz, and he has found ways to produce offense. You know, I'm thinking even when he was at Mississippi State with a quarterback like Nick Fitzgerald. Who was basically a, uh, a tight end-sized running back, but uh, we'll see what happens with the Florida Gators. They they lose a ton of talent, so uh, it'll be really interesting to see what they do there in Gainesville. At number twelve, I've got the Oregon Ducks. The Ducks won the Pac-12 title without winning their division. They, you know, de facto went to the championship game because the Washington Huskies could not could not uh, play in that contest. I don't think it would have mattered either way. Uh, I think either one of those teams is still beat, you know, defeats USC. They did lose to Iowa state in the Fiesta bowl badly. Actually, they, they got their ass handed to them. Overall Oregon fans probably anticipate a little more out of uh, Mario Cristobal being in his third year, but the ducks were minus several of their most productive players due to opt outs. Boston college graduate transfer and Anthony Brown took a lot of snaps in the Pac-12 championship game, the bowl game, and obviously that has resulted in quarterback Tyler Shuck, as I mentioned in the two-minute drill at the beginning of this episode. He is going to be in Lubbock as a Red Raider, so I think it's safe to say we sort of know who's going to be the quarterback headed into this next year. Um, And uh, the Oregon defense has three budding stars as well. Now, if you follow college football, you already know one of those guys is Kayvon he is an absolute monster at uh, defensive end, and I think he will have a big breakout year this year for the Ducks on a full season, on a full off season as well. And uh, they also have Mace Funa and Mikhail Wright on the defensive side of the ball to add to the star power. And also... They have picked up linebacker Justin Flo and cornerback Dante Manning, uh, who should help bolster that unit as well. Uh, plus, uh, flipping back to the offensive side of the ball uh, in Oregon's backfield, uh, Dye and Verdell do return to the Ducks for a good one two punch that should be really fun to watch. Now, these guys are my favorite to win the Pac 12 from a physicality standpoint alone. And, you know, mixed with the level of talent they have obviously. Recruited. They have what I would call, you know, a combination of a, maybe a Stanford, Utah physicality with a USC, Washington level recruiting. They have recruited the best in the Pac 12. They have the athletes, they have the size. So they are my favorite. But Washington, Stanford, and California will also have a vote in that. Um, and those should be pretty good physical games to be played. At number 11, I've got the Wisconsin Badgers. They showed flashes of what they could have been last year before their COVID-19 outbreak and the way that they decided to handle that, uh, extremely conservatively, but that's neither here nor there. Graham Mertz will be back under center, and Wisconsin comes off a 20, 2021 recruiting cycle that is a historically good class for that program. Wisconsin's strength will still be its power running attack behind the next, I don't even know who they are, NFL caliber unit up front. I mean, the, you know, Wisconsin produces offensive linemen. You're never going to have a problem with the offensive line at Wisconsin. You're just not. It's in their DNA. They know who they recruit. They know how to develop them. So that unit will always be fine. Jim Leonard's defense, once again, will be ranked in the top 10 in scoring and total defense, or should be. And uh, with linebackers Jack Samborn and Leo Chennault returning, the unit will be among the best in FBS in 2021. I, I fully anticipate as long as they can stay healthy. Iowa will be their toughest test in the West, but I would also be leery of Minnesota and their very high returning production rank. At number 10, I am going to go ahead and slip the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in here. Coach Brian Kelly's team has won at least 10 games in five out of his last six years. And despite both... Sides entering you know 2021 with question marks. I think another you know double digit win season is it's just the standard. It's what they're going to do. Now Ian Book moves on to the NFL, but they do pick up Wisconsin transfer Jack Cohn and Drew Payne and Brendan Clark and freshman Tyler Buckner are all going to be basically in a four way battle for the job under center. So. Uh, A lot to evaluate there, but Brian Kelly will have his pick of, you know, he's, when you have a loaded quarterback room, you know, I think we can go ahead and put the assertion that when you have four or five quarterbacks, you have none to bed because it obviously worked out for Clemson. It's obviously worked out for Georgia. It's obviously worked out for Ohio state to have crowded quarterback rooms. Uh, Alabama's another example, because, you know, as, as the world turns, you have you have the most important position well stocked and you have guys you can lean on. And so uh, I think this is a good thing for Notre Dame with a new quarterback stepping in, uh, the Fighting Irish, need to lean on the one, two punch in the backfield. Uh, And I think running backs, Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, I, I did preview Kyron Williams coming into last year. I said he would be a household name by the end of the year. He pretty much was or is this duo will be running and they run hard. They will be running behind a revamped offensive line. But again, Notre Dame is another one of those teams. If you asked me, you know, top five, top 10 at the most college football teams that produce offensive linemen, at least in the last several years, it, Notre Dame's right up there. So uh, I do expect that they will field a big physical front again, that will be well coached. Tight end, Michael Mayer had 42 catches last year as a true freshman. He's an absolute stud and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he returns. He's a huge weapon. So running back set tight end set offensive line. The question again will be what is Brian Kelly? Kelly and Tommy Reese going to do? What are they going to do about playmakers at receiver? That was the question in the starting weeks of the season uh, last year. And I think that those receivers ended up looking a lot better than they really were because of Ian book's ability to extend plays, allow those receivers to gain separations off of double moves and kind of run some schoolyard bullshit. So Uh, We'll see what happens with him, but um, we'll see what happens with the receiver position. But again, Notre Dame set and primed, I think, for at least a 10-win, 9-win, 10-win season. Now, the the hire of Marcus Freeman, I think, is outstanding. He is... Cincinnati's former defensive coordinator who put together that stellar unit from last year. And uh, All-American safety Kyle Hamilton is back. And there's enough talent and depth to really sort of mitigate losses at those, at you know, at the level, levels on the defense. Now, listen to this matchup, these matchups for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We have wisconsin cincinnati North Carolina. And I think those will be tough matchups for Notre Dame. Stanford is also on the schedule. The reason i bring them up is because they do play with a very high level of physicality out there on the West Coast. And so it's almost like the Irish literally picked all the most physical opponents that they could think of. UNC is much more physical than people think. So my thing is when they play the brand of ball that they play against other physical teams, it's going to be strength on strength. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the injury bug bite Notre Dame pretty hard before the end of the year. However, I do see the Irish finishing ranked in the top 25. At number nine, I have Texas A&M. If they hope to win an SEC West title and get to Atlanta, it's going to depend on an offense that is being revamped following the departure of Kellen Mond and a couple of stars up front on the offensive line. The backfield, however, is deep. Uh, they have Isaiah Spiller, they've got Aniah Smith, they've got Devin Akane a- in place. They have Jalen Weidermeyer and Baylor Cup, which will be a really good duo at tight end. But, you know, honestly, Texas A&M is sort of like a little Notre Dame team in the SEC. They're, they're sort of in Notre Dame, of the SEC West is how I would describe these guys. Questions at quarterback, questions at, at wide receiver, but everywhere else they seem to be stacked pretty well. The Aggies emerged as one of the top defenses in the SEC uh ranking third in the conference with 21 points per contest almost 22 21.7 if we're being honest Finishing uh, second in rush defense, fifth in pass efficiency, you know, a very good solid unit. DeMarvin Leal, Tyree Johnson, McKinley Jackson, and Jaden Peavy will be up front for an extremely strong line. Uh, Jalen Jones and uh, Leon O'Neal at safety and Damani Richardson will be uh, playing a defensive back role uh, inside, outside, wherever they put them. but. They'll be securing an advancing secondary, uh, a unit that is getting better. Uh, non conference schedule for these guys is not challenging and they get Alabama and Auburn at home at Kyle field, which will be, you take every advantage you can get. Honestly, I think really it comes down to Alabama, LSU and Texas A&M in a really close tight race for who's making that trip to Atlanta. If some chips fall their way, I could see them. I could see them being in Atlanta at number eight, we have the Cincinnati Bearcats uh, and they should be the top group of five team. Once again, in 2021, Luke Fickle has guided this program to a 31 and six record over the last three years. You know, 2021, the schedule features some big-time opportunities to make some big-time wins. They play Indiana, they play Notre Dame in non-conference play. If they can beat those two teams, I mean, (laughs) you're making a pretty strong case, again, for group of five representation in the playoff. Now, quarterback Desmond Ritter uh, was the catalyst for that jump in production, uh, helping them jump from... Uh, well, a full yard in as far as place from scrimmage it, last year. The skill talent is in good shape. They have Alabama transfer Jerome Ford uh, slated to replace Jared Doakes uh, as the number one running back. And uh, Desmond Ritter's receiving core is – returning seven of their eight targets. The main concern on offense is uh, the offensive line, which for Cincinnati, the style of you know play that they play with, that is concerning um, because they are a more physical team that likes to run the ball and you know play with a lot of physicality up front and take their shots down the field when they when they set it up with the run. The defense is still uh, in good hands. Um, they have a defensive end in Majai Sanders uh, that had seven sacks last year. Cornerback Ahmad Gardner should return. I think both of these guys could at least, maybe at least Ahmad Gardner could be All-American candidate uh, this year. But I expect Cincinnati to win the American Conference. I do. And they can beat Notre Dame. And they can, I think they can beat Indiana. Uh, the question is, are they going? It's just, are they going to? I think they will push for another New Year's Six game and spark the expansion conference. Conversation again. Now, if they lose those two contests against Notre Dame and Indiana, I do not see them being a representative. As the best team from the group of five, even if they are uh, technically, I think you know you might see another team in the group of five that plays a less robust schedule, you know, go undefeated and potentially leap a team in the Cincinnati Bearcats that would be better than them. But the record just it, it, it will be what it will be. So <clears throat> it's feast or famine on those two games right there. At number seven, we have North Carolina. We got the Tar Heels with Sam Howell back at quarterback. The Tar Heels should be an early favorite in the Coastal Division. Of of the Atlantic Coast Conference, however, UNC loses a ton of star power from from last year. Kefrey Brown and Josh Downs uh, had promising performances in the Orange Bowl and should play a bigger role at receiver, along with uh, Emory Simmons and tight end Garrett Walston. But on the uh, you know and on the positive side for Sam Howell, the offensive line is is going to return completely intact. Now, true freshman Tony Grimes is also a rising star on the defensive side of the ball at cornerback. And, uh, you know, this unit, I think, will look to get more contributions out of him and other guys like Miles Murphy and Desmond Evans up front. Um, So I think it's a defensive unit that you'll see potentially take a step in the right direction. All it is is for UNC, they have the talent. It's just are they going to be able to execute with precision? is the next man up going to be you know enough to push the tar heels to uh, contending for the uh for the acc crown against what i would assume would be the clemson tigers sitting there at the end of the year i think they present the biggest challenge to clemson's dominance i could be wrong i mean you know that could maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong about you know maybe the hurricanes ascend to some level or you know maybe we see another dark horse come out of the conference and have a really really stellar cinderella season but as, as as of right now, as I'm sitting here in February, I, I think UNC has the, has the best chance at knocking the Tigers off. At number six, I've got the Iowa State Cyclones, and Matt, Matt Campbell is a hell of a coach, and, and his program is positioned for another run at a conference title. Quarterback Brock Purdy, running back Brees Hall, and receiver Xavier Hutchinson are back. And, you know, you want you want that triple triple threat on the offensive side of the ball, which they do. And then, oh, by the way, you throw in a guy like Charlie Kohler at tight end, who's an absolute matchup nightmare. Uh, and it, he'll be one of the best in college football, maybe the best tight end in college football, uh, you know, duking it out with Michael Mayer there. Additionally, a line that allowed only 14 sacks on all of last year will be returning. And so the question is, is can Brock Purdy in his f- – and sort of take his final steps towards maturation this year and avoid those crucial mistakes that have plagued him over the past two years. Iowa State's defense has finished in the top three in the Big 12 in scoring defense in each of the last four years, and they'll be strong again with linebacker Mike Rose, who's an absolute stud. I previewed him last year. He'll be making a return safety. Ashim Young will be back. Edge rusher Will McDonald with 10 and a half sacks. That's going to be a solid unit. Um, now, here's the question. It's just the overall theme for this team, right? it's sort of like uga with their bama problem right can iowa state do they get over the oklahoma hump can they can they actually finish it i think this is a capable squad and it's now or never i would i do see iowa state finishing ranked in the top 25 for sure possibly finishing ranked in the top 10 possibly ranked in the top 5 they have a ton of returning production if they can stay out of their own heads and, you know, stay out of their own press clippings and stay focused on uh, what it is that they need to do, which I think Coach Matt Campbell will do a really good job of doing that. I, I think they're primed to really challenge Oklahoma for Big 12 supremacy. And honestly, uh, you, you could see a situation where the Big 12 has some representation, again, in the college football playoff. And it would be nice to see a team besides Oklahoma uh, sitting there in the playoff at number five, I have the Clemson Tigers. Yes, I said it. Number five, fight me. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Let the squabbling begin. Uh, I'm sure, I, you know, I might even get an email from Dabo Sweeney himself on this one. At least I didn't rank them 11th. But uh, anyway, the Clemson Tigers, I have them at fifth. And it, this has a lot to do... I'm sorry, but it has a lot to do with what they're losing. Trevor Lawrence is off to the NFL. The quarterback position's in good hands with DJ Uyungalele, but, you know, he's ready to step in. But, again, how much of his success can we attribute to teams just not really being ready to defend him? They have not – they didn't have a lot of tape on him. They didn't have – so, yeah, he had he had talented dudes around him uh, to help him out. Um, and, yeah, he balled up there in South Bend, but they still come off with that loss. He he didn't really do anything wrong himself. Again, uh you're you're losing Trevor And so that is a ton of mastery and experience. And you just saw the difference in the Clemson Tigers when Lawrence was in there, when they played Notre Dame for the second time. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where my head's at with this. Now I understand programs progress and things are dynamic and you can't just take a snapshot of a team and leave them in space and time. The last impression we do have of the Clemson Tigers is getting absolutely outclassed by Ohio state. And I'm sure that that is not lost on them either. But that being said, the back. Backfield is also changing hands due to uh, Travis Etienne finally going on to the NFL. He was good enough to go to the NFL two years ago, but uh, you know he stuck around for a little bit. And but now he's gone, and that was a huge fixture uh, there at Clemson, and not only for Clemson but in the ACC. You know, the ACC's all-time you know, leading rusher. So, um, Len J, Dixon will also, he'll get his first crack uh, at being a starter five-star will Shipley is also going to be in the mix as well. The uh, highly touted recruit out of uh, North Carolina there young is receiving core. Uh, it should, uh, it should have Justin Ross, uh, if he, if he returns after uh, missing 2020 with that neck injury and, uh, promising options with, uh, Frank Ladson, E.J. Williams, Joseph Ngata. Um, Yeah, but uh, again, like we've previewed with some other teams, the offensive line has got to improve for Clemson to get back to national title contention. And also they're losing Jack Carman, who's uh, on his way to the uh, NFL, who, who was a ta- probably their most uh, talented offensive lineman. The five-star freshman, Tristan Lay, will uh, – you know he 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 should step in walter parks is another guy that they've recruited that should also help to fill those spots on the offensive line the the defensive line for Clemson's set pretty well. They have uh returning starter in uh, true sophomore, Brian Brzee. They have Tyler Davis, another true sophomore, Miles Murphy. And K.J. Henry will be back. James Skulski is returning at linebacker. You know, I think he's more, he's, I, I really do feel like he's more of like a, a premier college guy. I don't think he's going to translate to the NFL very well, but uh, he's definitely an outstanding college linebacker and really good dude in the, in the center there for Clemson. Some improvements in big games are needed. The secondary is going to remain intact, but again, a secondary that we saw uh, end up being pretty suspect against elite level teams. And Clemson has also struggled against teams that have presented them with talented physical trench play. The two losses that they have, they got absolutely dominated in the trenches, Um, you know, in that game against Ohio State, absolutely dominated. And Notre Dame was able to do enough in South Bend to really give them some problems. And so look, here's my deal. This is why Clemson's at number five. I don't think they're a national championship caliber team. I don't think they've been a national championship caliber team for the last two years. I really don't. The reason I say that is because of how they have performed once they got into those marquee matchups outside of the acc and the acc's overall performance over the last couple of years as a conference as a whole i mean go back look at the bowl ranks look how they've done in cross division or cross conference play Uh, it's not pretty and so i just don't think that they are benefiting from the the upper echelon competition uh by by season's end and it's and it's costing them when they won national championships in 2018 and 2016 those two teams the 2018 Clemson Tigers is a historically good college team in terms of what they produced, their talent, the guys that went on to the NFL. They had a dominant defensive front, um, which you know again you're seeing the the makings of that again with Clemson. I think next year's Clemson defensive front could be the best in college football, period. Um, But again, that was a historically good team with a very talented young quarterback uh, that had all the weapons at his disposal and a fantastic elite level defense. And that is what happened in 2018. In 2016, Clemson's best quarterback they've ever had put the team on his back and won a national championship. Did you hear what I just said? Clemson's best quarterback they ever had put the team on his back and won a national championship with a lot less weapons against an even better Alabama team than the 2018 team. Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback who ever played at Clemson, not Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry. I know Trevor's got records. I know Trevor's got uh, you know, it's his win loss ratio. I know a lot of people love Trevor Lawrence. He's easily the second best quarterback, in my opinion, that ever played at Clemson. But the best one, if you're asking me for my money, is Deshaun Watson. And so that's what happened. And so over the last couple of years, Clemson's just not been there. And I don't think that they're there again this year. Now, their opening match of the season is against the Georgia Bulldogs in Charlotte in neutral side action. This is gonna tell a lot. This is gonna tell a lot about the state of both teams. I think that this one right here will benefit the Clemson Tigers actually more than it may benefit the Bulldogs. Uh, reason I say that is because Clemson will finally get a taste Of that elite level competition early in the year and it will be a really good litmus test for where the tigers are at in in real time early in the year obviously the winner of this competition has a fast track to the college football playoff because after they play each other their record their schedules are extremely managed very very excited to tune into that competition uh, and see what happens there a great rivalry uh returning early in the year and number four, we've got Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Sooners feature uh, FBS's highest returning production rate, the highest in the country. Lincoln Riley's offense will be explosive again. Oklahoma's defense took a big step forward last year. Alex Grinch did a fantastic job with that unit, and uh, and I think they could take another step forward this year. Now, if tackle Isaiah Thomas and linebacker Nick Benito pass on the NFL, the, I mean, they are going to come back absolutely loaded. Uh, Noseguard Perry on Winfrey, lineman Jalen Redman, linebacker Brian Osamoa, and cornerbacks Woody Washington, DJ Graham. Those are all rising stars. And I think they're only going to help the defense continue to grow. And there's plenty of skill talent. Uh, Lincoln Riley will have to do some retooling uh, with their center Creed Humphrey and right tackle Adrian Ely declaring for the draft. And so, uh, you know, but the schedule breaks favorably for Oklahoma in 2021. uh, Very favorably, actually. Uh, Riley's team, they open with uh, Tulane, which is an extremely winnable matchup. Uh, They play Nebraska in non-con, again, an extremely winnable matchup. And then they should be off and running in conference play. After that, again, Iowa State, a big hitter in the conference now. Texas is always going to be a tough matchup, but Uh, I think that they will be highly favored in most of their matchups this year. At number three, I do have Ohio State. And again, this is as a result of how this team has recruited over the last several years. They finished with another stellar recruiting class. They developed players very well up there. Numbers don't lie, man. They put a ton of people in the NFL. They are very, very good at what they do from a recruiting and player development standpoint. And the Big Ten East is super rocky right now. Actually, the entire conference really is. But the Big Ten East in particular, there are a lot of teams that are just right now, that cable is snapped and that elevator is plummeting to the basement for some of these teams. And so I expect Ohio State to feast as usual. And so as expected, they'll reload. Um, they'll return. They'll be the team to beat in the Big Ten. And uh, CJ Stroud and Jack Miller III, uh, as well as five star Kyle McCord, will. Know, go at it for who's going to run this high powered offense. Now, Chris Olave could leave early for the NFL draft, but I don't believe he's doing that. Actually, I think he has announced he's going to return. Garrett Wilson and freshman Jackson Smith and Jigbo will also be back. G. Scott Jr. and Julian Fleming. I mean, they're 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 loaded at the receiver position. Master Teague. Will be in the backfield as well. I'm not. I haven't gotten any intel on Trey Sermon on whether or not he's going to depart, but that's you know obviously that's obviously something that could happen in a moment's notice, or maybe it already has. I don't know. You you folks, let me know if it has. While incoming, uh, you know, but they do have an incoming freshman in Travion Henderson who is expected to push for some snaps as well. The line is expected to suffer some losses. Uh, They you know Wyatt Davis uh, is. I think, you know, going to move on to the NFL, but there's plenty of talent to build around. The defense is going to have its share of losses. Um, Eight of their top 10 tacklers are seniors uh, from 2020 and other players could leave for the NFL. uh, And that means that Kerry Coombs and Greg Madison will, will have to, you know, kind of lean on Zach Harrison um, defensive tackle, Taryn Vincent uh, seven banks at um, in the secondary keep the defensive prowess of the buckeyes but again my favorite in the big 10 east and a team that i think will pick up steam as the year goes on and will certainly not lack enthusiasm with the amount of youth that they do have out there Uh, a huge matchup huge matchup with oregon is going to be very telling for the state of both the programs uh, the Buckeyes do host them at home. Look out for a vengeful and experienced Indiana team in Michigan this year. The reason I say Michigan is this. They were an absolute dumpster fire last year. Josh Gaddis's offense didn't take off the way it was supposed to. Don Brown's defense, did, you know, obviously, yes, okay, it was ugly. Michigan has continued to recruit at a t- high level. they signed the top 10 overall class still. Jim Harbaugh has a contract extension. He's not going anywhere. There's There's at least a solid, solidified, you know, kind of foundation there at Michigan to build on. And uh, eventually they're going to win one of these matchups with Ohio State. Just by the law of averages alone, if there was a year to do it, this is it. Uh, for, for them. This is it to get that win notched in the column because Ohio State does have so much youth and experience coming out there. But in terms of raw talent, they are a top three team. At number two, I've got Georgia. Yes, I know. Everybody start the boos. The homer has put Georgia at number two. Kirby Smart has led the Georgia Bulldogs to a 44-9 and record over the last four years. But the next step for the program is to get back to the national championship game and Win the fucking thing, okay? Excuse my language, but win a national championship. Now, USC transfer JT Daniels sparked the offense, uh, averaging 37 points a game over the uh, Bulldogs' last four contests, and uh, he should benefit from a full off season and uh, and working as the number one quarterback and play caller Todd Munkin. He'll have another have a complete. Set of practices going into the fall to, to develop the scheme. The top three targets are back: George Pickens, um, Dominic Blaylock, Kyrus Jackson, Arian Smith, Marcus Roseme Jackson, uh, tight end Darnell Washington. The backfield returns with Zamir White james cook who can be used in the slot and out of the backfield they have kendall milton who's an extremely talented young budding guy they have kenny mcintosh they are loaded in that backfield and three out of the five offensive linemen up front are returning they'll be anchored by offensive tackle jamari salier who's probably their best offensive lineman up front and then uh you know matt luke will will have to do some shuffling but i think he will put together a very good uh, offensive front five there. Georgia's defense led the SEC uh, by holding teams to just 4.86 yards per play in 2020 and uh, I think 19.5 points per contest, or maybe right at 20 points per contest, they've recruited elite. They have elite level recruiting that is going to help them fill some inefficiencies there. And they're gonna plug the holes that they need to, particularly in the secondary. They have guys like Keely Ringo that's gonna come out and emerge. As probably you know, a very good young cornerback. They have Lewis seen back there at safety. Still, they are you know they are losing some guys, but they they have recruited at such a level that they're going to plug in these four and five star guys and get them coached up. They've also added Will Muschamp as defensive analyst to assist on that side of the ball. So retooling that defense, I you know if if Georgia if Georgia falls naturally on one side of the ball versus the other under Kirby Smart, it's obviously the defensive side of the ball. So I I would expect guys like Kendall Milton and Jalen Carter, and some of these very, very talented guys who were true freshmen, who are gonna come in and be true sophomores. There is a core of true sophomores and true juniors that is outstandingly talented. Uh, And it seems that they have their quarterback situation figured out. A lot of people like to say that Alabama's got pushed the hardest last year by um, Florida and Ole Miss. And yes, in terms of putting points on the scoreboard, in terms of pushing Alabama to have to continue to score high amounts of points, maybe, yeah, yeah, you're right about that from that perspective. However, Georgia was the only team that Alabama trailed to for any significant amount of time. It was 24 to 20 at halftime in Tuscaloosa with the dogs, uh, with a a two-star quarterback at the helm in Stetson Bennett. So this is a team that is right there. They have been a thorn in Alabama's side over the last couple of years giving them very close contests, giving them scares. Uh, And I think that this is the year where they can finally take a step forward, but they're gonna have to do it. And, And instead of talking about it, they're gonna have to be about it. Speaking of Alabama, you guessed it, there's my number one team. And I have two words for you as to why. Nick Saban okay? I understand what it is they're losing. Did they lose coach Saban? No, he's still there. So he's still going to produce an outstanding product on that field. And until somebody throws the shot and knocks these guys off the mountain, they're, they're my number one. Until you prove me otherwise, they're my number one. Until you beat them in a trial by combat, they're my number one. And so, yeah, he has to retool the depth chart and replace the coaching staff and everything else. But I think it's safe to assume that the tide's going to be back in the mix to win it all again. Now, Bryce, young was the nation's number one quarterback recruit in 2020 and he takes over under center and uh they they have a backfield that's young and talented as well jace mcclellan roydell williams trey sanders they're going to get their crack at rotating the carries you know a little bit of uh committee by running you know running back by committee back there john mechie the third jaleel billingsley uh you know a bunch of talented young guys are going to find those opportunities at receiver the defense is going to return pretty much intact i think they're returning Something like nine, 10 starters. And uh, after a strong freshman season, linebacker uh, Will Anderson, he's going to emerge as one of the best, probably edge players in the SEC. And then, guys, they just signed the number one recruiting class of all time. So they are going to plug in some guys and continue to roll along. I I really do feel that when the dust all settles, that date in Atlanta is going to come down to that classic. Crimson Tide versus the Georgia Bulldogs chapter three or four or whatever it is now. And can Georgia finally get over the hump with these guys? If there was going to be a year for the Bulldogs to do it, This is it. This is the year. They have to. They just. It's. It's this or bust. They. They don't have a choice. They have the more experienced team. They have an equally talented team. They just got to get it done. Plain and simple. Outside of the top twenty-five, I wanted to do real quick. I wanted to throw in some bonus content for you guys. You know, because anybody can give you the top twenty-five, but we take it a step further here at any given you because yeah, well whatever, go nuts. So, I want to give you some wild card teams real quick. Now, when I talk about wild card teams, this is what I'm talking about. These are teams that I expect to rotate into the top 25 as some of the teams in my preseason preview may fall out of favor. And so these are the teams that I think make the best push to launch themselves into the top 25. So, the first one is Oklahoma State. Uh, they have quarterback Spencer Sanders is back. He'll lead that Oklahoma State offense that averaged 30 points a game in 2020. Defensive back Trey Sterling, lineman, and defensive lineman, uh, Tyler Lacey and Trace Ford and linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez will be on the defense. They'll have a solid core for 2021. Next team is Liberty. The Liberty Flames bring back Malik Willis at quarterback, who's an outstanding talent. They have enough skill talent at least to rank in the top 25, I think by season's end. I think they will be in the top 25 by the end of the year. Liberty's defense also was outstanding and they bring back the bulk of their uh, you know, first and second stringers and they got a couple of transfers that should also help. On defense next we've got penn state now even though they went four and five james franklin rated they they're coming in espn seems to think that they're a top 20 team in in power rankings as far as returning production power rankings so i think they will make a recovery from what you saw in 2020 they they're picking up some transfers uh, to help in the trenches turnovers and bad offensive line play plagued them all last year, as well as those opt-outs early in the year. And so to be in the top 25, they're going to have to play better on both sides of the ball. But I think you will see that out of them this year. Then I have the Michigan Wolverines. Jim Harbaugh is going to be there. We already talked about it. Josh Gaddis gets another year to implement his system. They've recruited well. They've recruited well at quarterback. Um, we'll see if somebody can get it going up there, but they certainly have the talent to do it. So I, I would expect that maybe before season's end, you see the Michigan Wolverines snake their way up into the top 25. I had Boise State as well. They hire Andy Alvos, who is a linebacker there. Uh, you know, obviously we have seen guys that are uh, alma mater coaches do pretty well at their schools. Hank Bachmeier is also returning to the quarterback position. He'll be the best one in the Mountain West, I believe. The defense is going to be pretty solid. They do have a tough schedule with Oklahoma State and BYU and UCF, but uh, the mountain the Mountain West is ripe for the picking right now. And and uh, and Boise State's returning probably the most talented squad. NC State they went eight and four last year. They start off you know pretty pretty bad schedule, but they you know pretty bad record. But they uh, they they kind of, you know, snuck up to uh, an eight and four record and Devin Leary's returning. And that was a guy that kind of derailed their season when he got hurt last year. They also are going to have Bam Knight returning, uh, Ricky Person Jr. kind of round out that that backfield. They have a really good foundation up front. Defensively, they're returning quite a bit. I think Devin Leary is going to cut down on the turnovers that really hamstring these guys. And it became really apparent in their bowl game against Kentucky. Uh, that elevated quarterback play, and they could have won that game. So NC State is a wild card for me. And the last wild card I have is Army. The Black Knights have a really, really favorable schedule. They have a huge uh, returning production rate. The triple option is really hard to stop, and they always play solid defense. And so Uh, Army can't you cannot sleep on them I think they will be the best at the service academies and um, with the schedule that they have it's not hard to see these guys getting that 9 10 11 win kind of season under their belt to, to sneak into the top 25 and so that takes us through any given use two early top 25 predictions as well as our wild card teams hey if you enjoyed what you've heard today please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and give us that oh-so-important review or at least tell a few friends about the podcast. They can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pods, Breaker, Anchor, Pocket Cast, anywhere that they get their podcast action. And if you have comments, suggestions, gripes, complaints, or otherwise, please shoot us an email at any given you at gmail.com. We'd love to get some fan-based material to discuss on future shows. And remember, any given time, any given place, any given topic, get it at any given you.